people want to believe. We just tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it isn't so easy to understand? This is No God. Welcome to the No God Podcast. I am Micah, and I am here today with my dad, Tony Kafka. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing well. Good to see you, Micah. And my mom, Sandy. Hi, Micah. All right, so what is our topic for today? Well, the topic today is something we've asked Sandy to provide. All right, what is it? Well, it's a topic that has been um, something I've struggled through and had feel like a lot of people do. It is, doesn't God protect his people from harm? So, where are we starting? Well, there's some passages that, lots of passages, but an example of one of those that, that gives this thought and gets us focused on that, and many people grab a hold of it as a promise of God. Like in Psalm 43, verses 1 to 3, I'm going to read it from the New International Version, and so here goes. It goes like this. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in mourning, oppressed by my enemy? It's kind of that big picture that God is my stronghold or rock or fortress. It's through a lot of the Psalms and various other Old Testament passages. All right. Another thing, and kind of as that's uh, that's a passage that Sandy was sharing with me, and a passage that it made me think of was Psalm 91, verses uh, 9 to 12 NIV. And I'm going to just read that real quickly, too, because it says, uh, If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come to your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And for people who know the story of Jesus, that is going to ring a bell. All right. And that bell is from the temptation of Jesus when Satan basically threw that passage of Scripture in Jesus' face. Right. right. Those temptations. Mm -hmm. We can say more about that later if we want to. But anyway, those are the kinds of passages that we're talking about that People nowadays and people always have said, I'm going to hang on to the promises right. of God. God's my stronghold. He will protect me. No harm will overtake me. Right. So as I was growing up, young believer, um, the way I always looked at that is that, okay, you know, um, I'm just safely tucked in this armored truck. You know, God's driving me down the road and I've got my Bible there and I'm serving people, but he is protecting me from all the arrows, any bullets, anything coming my way. He's going to protect me because he promises that no harm will overtake me. But that isn't the way life turned out, you know, and that's true for a lot of people. Um, And I think my biggest trial where that just all fell through for me was when our oldest daughter was killed in the car accident. Um, You know, and I thought, so, you know, I thought, okay, well, then God does... My first jump was, God doesn't love me then, or I'm not a good enough Christian, that he's not going to take care of me. You know, I ended up in a lot of depression, and um, then the other side of, instead of stuffing the anger, then the violent anger, um, being upset, feeling hopeless, uh, and questioning God, you know, questioning my own faith and my salvation. Um, But... Through the years, as I read more, because I, I kept reading the scripture, kept talking to people. I had people, Christian people, that were pouring into my life and helped me. So through the years of growing, just being in the Word, having um, strong Christian people pour into me and stuff, yeah. I came to 
what I came to realize is that, you know, it's not that God is there with the armor around us protecting us from everything, me, from everything. I'll speak for myself. But he was aware of all the attacks. He's there guiding me. Jesus is right there running beside me, walking beside me, sitting beside me. God's spirit is in me, leading me. There's godly people that are helping me and stuff. And God is bringing good in my life even through that. You know, so the no harm will overtake you. I think we have to interpret that more of that um, God is going to guide us through through the things that happen. And he, the harm that's going to not come is he's never going to leave me. Right. Maybe it's I more mean, like it's not no harm is going to come to you, but it won't overwhelm it you. It won't overwhelm me or destroy me. I mean, is that... Is that closer? Tony? <laughs> right. And we're going to... I mean, I think we'll we get can to get to that, but we might want to just fill in people with just a little bit of background about our daughter's passing. Yeah. Well, no, one thing I was thinking was just, uh, you know, since you are my mom and I do know your background as well, it's not the first death in your family. Um, right. And just kind of the reaction maybe your parents had. Right. And so that's when I was uh, young. Um, my younger sister just died suddenly. No pre-sickness, nothing, just whoop. And it was a very tragic thing. My parents were believers. My dad, elder in a church, and served all the time. But there, because of the way they saw the scripture, their response to that was, obviously, we're not doing enough for God, so God let one of our kids die to show us we needed to get our acts together. You know, and we packed up and moved away to a children's home where they were able to serve 24-7, yeah. you know, so God would not do any more harm. To yeah. their family, and that's what, and they were very open at telling us kids that's why we were, were doing that. So that was a thing that was in my mind. Okay, you know, so when my daughter died, then that was my first thing too. Oh, okay, well, I thought we were serving enough, but I guess we're not, you yeah. know. And he's let this happen to us. Right, our daughter's death. She was nineteen years old. We were about twenty years into ministry years as as pastor right. family couple, and just doing the work. And uh, just doing a lot of typical things and a lot of and things. And she that, was serving God at the right. time. She was on a trip for a Christian college, uh, you know, working tr- camps and mm-hmm. conferences and things like that. And it was just an accidental death from a car accident. And so that was very traumatic for our family, our extended yeah. family, as you well know. But for those that are listening in, that's a little bit of the background. And so now we are another almost more than 20 years out mm-hmm. from that event. So right. that's our perspective as we talk about this today. Other people who li- who are listening, they may be just immediately near the trauma yeah. of a great loss or a great ca- catastrophe in their life. And uh, we just want you to know that there's a there's a journey to to live in the scriptures let the scriptures yeah. help us while at the same time to understand this balance of where these promises fit into our life. Yeah. I think that probably be a good podcast for us to tackle at another time just kind of the journey more specifically that we've gone through with all that. But yeah, right. but for now we're kind of focusing on this this one right. question. Well, so and when when Yvonne is that okay? That is yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, when she died, it was actually didn't know this till times till later. But I was actually having my quiet time and asking God to protect Yvonne and the others that were traveling with her that day, as they were, you know, serving God as a camp team, to protect them at the time they were having the accident. And um, and she was dying. So then, when when that. When I became aware of that knowledge later, 
few days later. That totally devastated me because I thought I was actually even praying. And he still let her die. You know, that's how I felt. And um, sometime later, even in a a Bible study, I was doing a book study, whatever you call those things. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, I was made to feel even worse because the author of that was saying, if we are praying for our kids' safety, God will honor that. Yeah. You know, so I, I, there was years of me trying to process this because this Christian's saying this, this one's saying this. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of that of just um, people want to feel that so much to feel safe that they inadvertently hurt other people because they, they just can't bring themselves to believe that the possibility is different than that. So they, they have to cling really hard to that and then need everyone else to know that. And if that's not the case, that's going to be devastating. Right. So, Sandy, if you... If you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. how, why do you feel like this is a bigger issue for women that you know than for men that you know? I mean, I know that for you, you've felt it personally yourself, but is there an aspect of this promise and this, quote, failure of a promise in your life that you would impact women stronger than men? What do you think? Well, my first thought is just, you know, women tend to be differently wired, mm-hmm. so we're more of the nurturing, protecting our family and stuff. I... I don't know if I have an answer for that, don't yeah. I? Um, I think it'd probably just be different because, you know, for, you know, there's the nurturing, protecting, but then all for dad also, like, you know, protecting their kid. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen obviously you, but other fathers that have gone through losing the kid. And it's, it is, I think, very equally devastating. Right. I, I just was wondering if you had a thought about that. Not I, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> As we've gone through our years, we've seen parents grieve differently in this. And again, I think we'll do another podcast on this sometime. Oh, yeah. But as far as wrestling with scripture, uh, we really, I mean, I, I've been guilty of it myself as a pastor and in messages and just in conversations of emphasizing, you've got to believe the promises of God. And in fact, there was an old, like a, a little saying that was around in the 50s and 60s and all the way up into our early years of ministry in the in the late 70s. And that was this little statement that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Right. As yeah. a way to to uh, strengthen a person's resolve to stay faithful to God. That is the problem with promises. And we've we've only mentioned ones out of the Psalms, but we are but we are also there are New Testament passages that talk about that God cares and that He's with us, but the New Testament does take a little bit different turn, and we'll get to that in just a moment. In order to really um, grow in these situations, I'm just thinking that we've known other people who have struggled in their faith because of an overemphasis, or at least a singular emphasis, on God's protection versus a bigger picture that we want to get here to here in a moment. And so mm-hmm. I know we've we've talked to a lot of people. Do you have any thoughts about that? How it's impacted other people? Well, I just know that um, actually immediately in the days right after our daughter's accident, um, I had a a Christian woman that I was friends with that came to me and um, shared that ever since her daughter's accident, which had been just a few years before, car accident as well, she had believed that same thing, that um, she wasn't a good enough Christian, and that's why God let that happen. And she never shared that with anyone. She just struggled and struggled with it. And that then when 
our daughter died, and um, she realized that can't be true because we were serving God all the time, you know, even though she knew we weren't perfect. But it uh, it opened a window for her to find another yeah. level of healing. And, you know, for me, I just feel like um, continuing to read the Word is the thing that really helped me cause to get the full, to get more of a bigger picture yeah. of how God's promises actually were working. Um, a verse I was memorizing with a friend that uh, we used to memorize scriptures together um, at the time of Yvonne's accident was Psalms 37, 24. And it just says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And that was such a help to me because I, I just had that picture into my head. Okay, this I'm stumbling, but God's got me by the hand. And then another one, um, which I love this one, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Um, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, and on and on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that didn't say, I'll never let you walk, I'll I'll never make you have to walk through the water. I'll never make you walk through the fire. It said that he'd be with you. And when I read that scripture, the picture that came into my head is I was walking through this raging river, and the only thing sticking out was my nose, because Jesus had a hold of me pulling me up enough so my nose was sticking out. At that point, I was just breathing. And then as time went on and I would reread that, I'd think, oh, my head's out now, you know. And it, But it was a process. But it, this to me was a promise that, you know, that balanced out that no harm will come to you. It's that, okay, you're going to have struggles, but I'm not going to let thing, anything totally harm you where you're just devastated and I'll always yeah. provide you help. Yeah. I'll always be there with you. I, you know, so in thinking about that raging river <laughs> illustration from Isaiah, it right now in Nebraska we have all the flooding and stuff going on. So, yeah. Tony, what do you have to say about that? Uh, just as a reference point, somebody listen to this podcast. This is mid March, two thousand nineteen, uh, in the Omaha area. The Elkhorn and the Platte rivers and some other tributaries of those have been flooded. Even the Missouri too, right? And the Missouri now, yeah. and so all of this area is, uh, and Nebraska is very much under floodwaters, and yeah, so parts of Iowa too, and other states. Yes, yeah. all around, and it's going south, so it'll be hit Missouri and Kansas as well, and further down the Mississippi River basin. Sandy, your picture <laughs> of barely having your nose above the water is, I think, very powerful. Yeah, I feel like probably a lot of people relate to that right now. Yes. And so you mentioned that there were people that just kind of like were able to say a word to you or just be with you as well. And I know that in a time of disaster like, like, like this one that we're having in the Midwest is a time when people are so encouraged to know that they're not alone. And so there's a lot yeah. of activity right now going on with volunteer help and such. And, you know, sometimes a volunteer will feel like, am I really doing much? I've you know, drove up here to help in this spot. I've cleaned up a little bit in somebody's house or in their yard or in their farm area. And I go back home. Am I really helping that much? And I guess I'm just curious, did you ever feel like it was like somebody kind of just stepped into your life for a moment, said an encouraging word or just was with you 
and then they kind of were gone again. Was that? Oh yes, I mean there in in um, at the time of Yvonne's accident, a lady came to me that I did not know very well. I knew who she was, um, and I knew they had had trauma in their life of losing two sons, young sons, at the same time in an accident. Um, that that's all I knew. Didn't really know her, but she came. Just wanted to know that me to know I was praying, or she was praying for me. Gave me a little book that really gave me hope and help at that time. And I really had no other interactions with her ever again. Um, but I also, in saying that, I want to, you know, I believe God will send people into our life, but I also very much had to be willing to step out and look for help. Yeah. Too, and find that help. And I know, so an example of that is the morning of our daughter's funeral. You know, of course, I wasn't sleeping well, was up and just... Uh, you know, and there was nobody there to help me feeling sorry for myself. And it just popped into my head. And here I am at like six o'clock in the morning trudging. I think I still had my pajamas on even and had uh, a few blocks in our town to uh, a couple that I did not know well. The man had was a coach of Yvonne's and a teacher of all of our kids mm -hmm. and and they had lost a child. That's what I guess that was what my thought. But I sought it out. I went to them, sat in their living room, and they were there in their pajamas, bawling and talking, and it got me through that day. Yeah. But I, I had, to, I did have to seek that one out. Yeah. And we need to do that. We need to not just set, because my temperament is to sit and wallow and well, okay, God, where's my help? Yeah. And He often does send help, just like people I've said already. But there's times where. He was prodding me to go look for the help yeah. or to help somebody else in the years ahead after our daughter's death that then ended up being a blessing to me. Yeah. Well, I think what you were saying, like, you know, just even the small things, like for me, um, I, a lot of my friends were, you know, very encouraging and just great to be there right after and stuff. But I know as, you know, I was entering high school, some of them, the most encouraging were just people that allowed me to feel normal for a little bit. And, you know, they weren't close friends. They are just someone that, you know, they knew what was going on and they just decided they weren't going to talk about it. They were just going to be there and hang out for a bit. And I think, you know, that's for a lot of people that you just want to feel like life can move on and life can be normal again. So sometimes mm -hmm. that's all you need. Right. And that is, that's, that's just a piece of all this. And, and, and uh, people who are thinking about someone in need, like in our area right now in the Midwest where we think about, you see those pictures of devastation and stuff. You just go, oh, I just wish I could help them. And, and that may move me to sign up to volunteer, mm -hmm. but I may not get to help that person that I saw the little thing right. post in Facebook. But I can know that by just stepping into the circle of the folks and doing something for somebody is is enough for that day, that right. I can make a difference for someone else and I don't have to know the rest of their story yeah. in order to do that. It's always encouraging to know the rest of their story, but we don't necessarily right. know that. I kind of want to transition a little yeah. bit into New Testament teaching, and in particular, just kind of focus in on the words of Jesus first. And that is where he was on his last night before he went to the cross. Mm -hmm. So he is facing the ultimate suffering, the rushing of water of suffering over him, inundating his, his soul even. And so he's praying, first of all, he's praying for his 12 disciples. Yeah. And so it, we pick this up in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. And Jesus just said in verse 13, it goes like this. So he's talking to Father the God, uh, the, his Father God. 
as the Son of God. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so while I'm still alive, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. He's talking about they, his disciples. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And this transitions us a little bit into the other area of challenge, and that is there's the physical challenges that we see, the the natural disasters in our own lives and life and death. Then there is the spiritual challenge that goes on in our souls and around us. And so Jesus was praying for his disciples that they would be protected from the evil one. In other words, that they wouldn't lose their faith, Mm -hmm. even though we know that historically, not from the Bible, but we know historically that every one of the disciples of Jesus, his apostles, except for the Apostle John, who actually wrote this gospel, died a violent death, Mm -hmm. a martyr's death. But they would not have seen that as a lack of promise because there is a suffering and that is redemptive. Just like, and against Jesus on the cross, he suffered ultimately because there was a purpose in his suffering and he actually chose to then embrace that suffering in order to bring redemption to someone else. And so in a much teensy tiny scale for us we can be going through something and realizing that by going through this or embracing the challenge that's in front of us the challenge to remain faithful or the challenge to keep pressing on even in the midst of adversity that we are making an opportunity for other people to discover the hope of redemption in their lives and and that's that's a that's an encouraging part. And so this is summarized. If you don't mind, I'll just go on to first or second yeah, Corinthians. Yeah. This is summarized by the Apostle Paul in the very beginning of Second Corinthians, the little letter letter that he wrote, verse uh, chapter one, verses three to seven. I'm going to read it from the NLT. He just goes. It goes like this: All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer, and we're confident Uh, that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives. The focus of this is comfort, but in behind there is this realization that by being steady through our own challenges, God actually supernaturally gives us comfort in our souls, but he also feeds some of that comfort through the other believers. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, this relational thing of God. I'm in relationship with God, and I'm in relationship with other people who have gone through some stuff, and all of that together, people and God, are strengthening me inside to be able to have the hope. Because that's how that passage right. starts off, is that we want to have that hope and that comfort that comes. And so it gives us, in a broken world, because mm-hmm. I, I don't care how long we talk about the promises of God to protect us, everybody, believer and non-believer, know that the world doesn't work in a way that some people never have any problems. Right. Right. Everybody <clears throat> yeah. has problems and everybody has challenges and things that disrupt their lives. 
And so this is, I think this is the passage that gives us the how to walk out of this room and live today. Yeah. Is one, I can receive the comfort that God is bringing to me through other people. I can ask God for comfort myself and he'll give it to me in a sense of spirit to spirit. And we can go out and be a part of giving comfort and encouragement to other people and coming right. alongside of them. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think um you know it's it's it it's a good thought of or not good thought, but it's uh it's a it's a way of escape just to hope that you know, if I believe hard enough, if I do the right things, I'm gonna be okay forever. Um mm-hmm. but I think in the in the long run that's a destructive thought because it's just not true. Right. So it just sets up yourself or other people for failure. And, you know, I think uh, holding on to that is more dangerous than, you know, facing that. You know, life is not easy mm-hmm. and there will be troubles. But, um, you know, the, that, that comfort that can come from God and just knowing that, you know, the promise is that you, you won't be overwhelmed. And you won't be alone. Yeah. Right. But for those that might be listening, and I, you know, you stumbled onto this podcast somehow, and you do feel alone, and you do feel like that it's hopeless, um, because obviously the backside of this is if we don't get hope and we don't have comfort, then that is one explanation of the rising suicide rate yeah. in the United States yeah. and around the world, right. people. Right. And it is that we have to be able to see that there is a purpose in what we've gone through. And that purpose may be simply to be there for someone else, to encourage other people, and also to come out of our naivety that we, I may have seen my life as really charmed, nothing bad happening, so obviously I'm in a sweet spot. Yeah. And the only way that, honestly, we can do that is if we are not engaging with the people around us in our community, in our states, and in our world. Because if we've put blinders on to not see the suffering around us, and we just look at our own self-focus and go, things are good for me, and that's good enough for me. I don't care about the suffering of other people. We will eventually, if we live long enough, those blinders will be ripped away by something. And then all of a sudden, we can be really overwhelmed by the immense amount of suffering in the world around us. And that can be overwhelming, but it's also a point to go, I have been so naive. I have been so self-focused. It's time for me to really become part of the human race. Right. Yeah. Right. And to, and to see how I can be a part of a solution here in our world. Nice. Well, as we're wrapping up, um, mom, since this was your question, do you have any final words of comfort to offer to, you know, people going through hard times right now? Well, I think, you know, what Tony just said really, really wraps it up, you know, and um, I feel like, you know, the places to go are churches, but for me, the biggest that helped me was getting involved in a recovery group, Yeah, you know, and um, Celebrate Recovery is a good Christian recovery group that has helped me tons, There, but there's other ones I know friends that have gotten gobs of comfort in things like Al-Anon and, and whatever, and I'm not trying to leave anybody out here, but there's all kinds of, and, and churches, individual churches have their own kind of recovery. If you're not finding connection, then go to one of those. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a place where people can, that's a place that's really helped me. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we'll probably, again, future podcast, we'll probably do more on that in the future. But, you know, all three of us have gone through that um, recovery process for different things. And it's, you know, it's not just for substance abuse or, you know, the class of things that really, you know, you can find those support groups for for a lot of things of whatever you're going through. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, we love to hear your thoughts, um, hear your questions. So if you have anything, uh, please just uh, send us a note. We uh, have an email you can send it to at nogod at uh, tonykafka.com. Again, that's K-N-O-W-G-O-D at tonykafka.com. Any final thoughts, Dad? Appreciate you listening, but even more so, we hope that this is a help to you. And uh, just uh, take your next step, whatever that is, as you've listened to this podcast Uh, No one needs to be alone, but take a step and reach out to somebody, uh, pray about it, reach out to a friend, a family member, and just say, hey, I just need to talk to you a moment. Just take that step. If you have any questions, just email us at nogod at tonykafka.com. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A dot com.